0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Rich Cimini covers the Jets for ESPN.com and also is the Ensign on the flight deck on ESPN uh, ESPN New York on the app. Make sure you download it if you don't have it. Rich, how are you this evening?
0: Great, Larry. Thanks for having me. It uh, was a pleasure to join you to talk a little Jets.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to start out with Jets, Rich. I want to get your thoughts on this flag football we saw today. I mean, the players love it. <laughs> Um, what was your takeaway? I- I'll say this. It-, it-, it was more entertaining than what they used to play.
0: <laughs> well, the other, what they used to play was just, uh, an embarrassment for, for football. I mean, uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of, you know, Smith looked pretty good, you know, you he just, uh, throwing the ball. Um, uh, I, I guess they had a pretty good crowd there. I'm curious to see what the TV ratings are going to be. Uh, I-, I didn't really watch a whole lot of it, but, uh, We'll find out from social media. I got I got a positive reaction. It seems like people were into it. So I'm curious to see what the TV numbers would be.
1: Rich, I think I watched less than you did. Uh, I caught some <laughs> of it while I was waiting for to watch the Nick game. So I caught some of it there. I caught the the last drive, and I was saying, you know what, uh, Derek Carr needs to play a little better if he wants to come here to New York on, on that flag football. He 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 missed a couple of guys. <laughs>
0: well he crushed it the other day in the skills competition maybe that he was peaking too soon during this whole pro bowl weekend but but yeah that's going to be the story now i mean Derek carr because of the contract deadline coming up on the 15th uh, you know the, the raiders are going to have to do something or he's going to have to do something and uh, i i get the sense that you know i don't want to say probably but it seems like it's moving toward him getting released rather than traded you know it's He'd be able to go out and get his own deal, and uh, he has that no trade, you know, uh, waiver, so he can use that if he wants. And uh, I, I just think it might be trending in that direction, but you never can tell. One phone call changes everything.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. Well, so Aaron Rodgers tries to make things a little difficult, saying he'll make a decision what he wants to do right after the Super Bowl. So those 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 uh, dates kind of are very close, you know, very close together rich if you're the jets i mean what do you do do you obviously you rogers is your priority but how long can you wait before you have to make a move you don't want to be left at the altar with like the third tier of free agent veteran quarterbacks
0: yeah well joe douglas is uh you know he's been he's played this game before and he's pretty good at um, monitoring the market and what's going on around the market and i'm sure that he's got phone calls in i I mean i'm assuming at this point he's probably talked to the packers just to to call him and see hey what's going on you know is there any chance you know um probably the same with the raiders just to see where things stand with cars so he's not going to be caught blindsided when something happens or um i'm sure like him like a lot of teams not just the jets a lot of teams are probably investigating this situation any quarterback needy team And there's probably seven or eight or maybe even nine teams in the same boat as the Jets that are going to be looking for a new starter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're doing their due diligence now. And, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, something will happen. We don't even know officially if Rodgers wants to play, certainly giving every indication that he does based on some of his comments from over the weekend out at Pebble Beach. But uh, he really has a lot of leverage with the Packers, even though he is under contract if he goes to the Packers and says, look, I do not want to play here anymore, then I I would think that they'd probably accommodate him.
1: I know you don't really know Rich, but just the ballpark figure, what would it take for a team to get him from the Packers?
0: Well, Larry, it depends on how many teams are involved. You know, if it's just one team, you know, maybe not that much, you know, back in 08 when the Jets got Brett Farms, they got him for a third round pick, which, you know, which was a great bargain at the time, but, it was really the only place they were going to send him to was the Jets. Now, I do believe because of the Jets were in the AFC, and I I think these Packers, this front office, will probably go by the same uh, set of circumstances. I don't think they want to trade him to the NFC. I mean, why would you? I mean, the guy can play still. We don't know how long he's going to play. That's a big question here, but he can still play. So I would think they'd want to send him to an AFC team. So it comes down, I would think Jets and Raiders would be the two teams most interested in him and so you know it depends on what the other teams are offering but if I were the Jets I would not offer the 13th pick in this year's draft Uh, I would not make an unconditional trade offer it would have to be tied to certain conditions namely how long is he going to play I would want him to commit for more than a year I mean if I'm going to trade something substantial and also pay him 58 million dollars in one year I, I want more than a one-year commitment from him. So, and I think that would impact the compensation. I'm sure the Jets would call the Packers and say, "Look, if we're paying 58 million for this year, you got to cut us some slack on the compensation." So, there's a lot of different points that have to be negotiated, not only with draft pick, but with the contract. It's a very, very complex situation.
1: Rich, how, how in your opinion, how does Tom Brady's retirement play into where Rodgers may go? Uh, as far as with the Raiders?
0: Yeah, you know, contrary to what a lot of people thought, I never really thought that Tom Brady was interested in going to the Raiders. Um, you know, I, from what I've heard, that, you know, he and Josh McDaniels weren't in, in as good a place as people thought. I think people assumed mm-hmm. that they were together so long that they'd want to reunite. Uh, I, I don't think that was the case. I think Brady had had enough of Josh McDaniels and was not considering the Raiders. So, yeah, I mean, I do think the Raiders would be interested. I mean, you have uh, Devontae Adams, of course, publicly, you know, lobbying for Rodgers. But he doesn't even have to do that publicly. I mean, he can just call him up or text him. I mean, we know how close they are from their time together in Green Bay. So he's going to be a great recruiter for for, uh, for the Raiders if the Raiders do indeed want him. You know, no state income tax in Nevada that's uh that's probably a pretty good deal if you got 60 million dollars coming to you so that'll save you some money for sure but uh yeah I think the Raiders and the Jets are probably the two teams that are going to want him the most
1: Rich is my guest All right, Rich we mentioned Derek Carr what's I guess plan B and C for the Jets if uh you know they don't grab Aaron Rodgers
0: yeah, I mean they they're going to have to set a pecking order. Like my guess is that Rogers Rogers is the best fit for the Jets. Uh, and I mean it depends on the compensation. Like I said, if I were the Jets, I wouldn't give up a first round pick. But uh, you know they're going to have to pay a lot of money in cash, which I don't think is a problem for Woody Johnson. The cap implications are, the first year is surprisingly low because of the mm-hmm. way the contract works. I think it would be about a 15 or 16 million dollar. Cap hit for the Jets, so obviously they could fit that in. Uh, the Jets, and for that reason, they're also for the Hackett reason. Nathaniel Hackett coming to the Jets, I think, makes him the priority number one because he knows the offense. So you're minimizing the amount of transition for him. It should be a very easy transition, at least football-wise, for him. So I think he would be priority number one for the Jets. Um, who is their number two? I guess it would be Derek Carr. I'm guessing there's probably a a gap between Rodgers and Carr. Uh, Carr is, you know, he's going to cost a lot of money. I mean, he's probably not going to be as cap friendly as Rodgers because if he hits the open market, he's going to end up signing a deal that will probably inflate his cap number. Uh, So you have to consider that. Uh, From what I've heard, I don't know if he's too keen on moving to a market like New York. I think Hmm. he may want to stay in a smaller market. I've been told by people who know him that he would not really thrive in a place like New York. So I don't know if the jets are considering that, you know, I'm sure they consider everything, but he also has a terrible record in cold weather. I mean, there's a lot of stats out there on just how bad he is when the temperature is under 30 or 40 degrees, you know, not that, I mean, that would affect a few games per year in New York, but not, but not a whole lot. So yeah, I would think Rodgers is number one for the Jets and probably Carr and Garoppolo very close. I think um, the, the familiarity with Robert Sala makes Garoppolo a, a fallback option for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I, 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 in some ways, Rich, I might rule Garoppolo a little ahead of Carr, but, you know, his availability, has been it's a concern.
0: Yeah, so one thing with Jimmy is, you know, he's missed a lot of time. One thing with Derek Carr, he's incredibly durable. I think he had started 90 or 91 straight games before he got benched at the end of the year. So the durability, and that's something that's important to the Jets because they've gone through a lot of quarterback injuries the last couple of years. The durability is important to the Jets. So when you get a Derek Carr, you know he's going to uh, he's going to play. He's going to be available. He'll probably he's not going to light up. You know he's going to not going to put up incredible numbers, but he can probably get you. A, 25 touchdowns and and 10 to 12 interceptions, you know, those aren't, you know, pro bowl type numbers, but those are solid quarterbacking numbers. I'd say he's probably in the middle of the league in terms of quarterbacks, probably in the 14, maybe in the 12 to 16 or 17 range, right around there. Uh, How much is that worth to the jets? Are you willing to pay 35 to $40 million a year for something like that? my guess it would be more in the 30 to $40 million range. So, the Jets have to take that into consideration. So there's there's so many factors that go into it. But the bottom line is we know the Jets have to get a quarterback. They can't come out of this with like the fourth best quarterback on the market. That would just be a real bad look for the Jets.
1: It really would be. Really would be. Rich speaking of quarterbacks, we know about we know that Zach Wilson's still there. The tweet from Quentin Williams last weekend though during the during the playoffs, I mean he's not really well liked in that, in that locker room. Uh, Rich, do you think it's, is it lack of work? Is it lack of effort? Is it lack of preparation? And, and how do you keep him on the team with the way the team is feels about it?
0: Yeah. I, I know there's been some speculation of some, some reports about missed like late meetings and, and so forth. Everyone I've checked in with at the Jets said that is not the case with him. Uh, the kid does work hard. He shows up on time. He wants to be good. I don't think that's the issue. I think he's got some leadership, you know, qualities that need to be examined. Um, obviously, the team doesn't see him as a great leader. The stuff on the field—look, everybody who's listening to this knows—you don't need me to explain that he did not play well at all last year. I mean, it was—it was bad. And I think Zach would be the first to admit it. And he's got a long way to go physically to get back to where he hopes to be. And also, like you mentioned, the leadership, the relationships in the locker room. I think there's got to be some repair done there. The Jets say they're going to keep him. They've been said it repeatedly and emphatically. We're going to keep this guy. We're going to try to develop him and so forth. I, I wonder... I wonder, and this is me asking it rhetorically, is that because you don't want to admit you made a mistake, or is that because you honestly believe that he can be developed into a solid starter? I don't know. You know how teams are, Larry. They Mm -hmm. don't want to admit mistakes. And I don't see Zach Wilson ever being the Jets' starting quarterback again. I I just don't. I mean, maybe he's the backup this year behind a a Rodgers or a Garoppolo or a Carr. I don't ever see him being the starter again. And I I wonder, I'm not even convinced 100% that he will be on the team. I know the Jets say that, that they've said that before, and we know how these things work. The NFL changes very quickly. Uh, I could see them moving on from him in in a trade, maybe part of a a quarterback trade. Who knows? But a lot of questions surrounding Zach Wilson, for sure.
1: Ritsamini, wow, that's a heck of a statement. Uh, Before I let you go, let's get your thoughts on, some of these free agents that the Jets have to make some decisions on. Let's start with Quinn and Williams. How soon do you think they'll try to start to get something done with him? And what can they expect to have to pay for this young man who had a really good season this year?
0: Yeah, well, he's not a free agent. You know, he has signed for one more year. So the, the issue with Quinn and which he articulated at the end of the year, he wants a new contract by the start of the off season program, which is in mid April. I, I do not foresee that happening. So I suspect Quinn and Williams As he said, would sit out the off-season program as he uh, tries to get a contract extension. I think the Jets want to sign him to a contract extension, and uh, we know how good he was this year. I thought he was probably the second best defensive tackle in the NFL behind Chris Jones. I think you know Quinnen was right up there. I mean, he was outstanding. He deserves a new deal. He's only 25 years old, but you know, whenever the Jets try to do this stuff, it's never easy, Larry. You Mm -hmm. know, it, it always gets a little complicated. And quentin Williams wants a lot of money. You know, he's not going to settle for being, you know, like second or third on the market. I think he wants, I mean, he's not going to get Aaron Donald money. That's like $32 million a year. But he wants close to that. Like, I think he wants in the mid-20s. Wow. Um, you know, and right now, no other defensive tackle is above $21 million a year. So he's, he wants over 21. I don't know if the Jets are going to be too willing to go into the mid-20s. But so that that could be a long, interesting negotiation. So keep an eye on that one.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you think could be some uh, cap casualties? Maybe some restructuring that the team's gonna have to do? Give me three guys, the three guys off the top of your head that the jets are really gonna have to make a decision on That are the impact guys.
0: Yeah, they're gonna have to restructure TJ Mosley because it's like a twenty two million dollars cap number. You know, they did it last year, and that's the problem. When you get into restructuring, you're kicking the can down the road a little bit and they, you know, they needed to save some money last year. And so they renegotiated and they pushed it into this year and now they have to do something. Um, and so I, I think they'll be able to try to come to some sort of agreement to try to lower his cap figure. Um, otherwise I don't think they want to get into a whole lot of restructuring. It's usually not the way they like to do business, but there's going to be some cap casualties that they're actually over the cap right now. I think mm. a couple of million over, so if they wanted to do some wheeling and dealing or if they have to take on a, a quarterback contract, they're going to have to do some stuff. I think Corey Davis is a prime candidate to be released or, or traded. That would save them $10 million. I think a Braxton Barrios is a possibility that would save them $5 million. Carl Lawson's interesting. Uh, that would save them a lot of money. I think it's $15 million, But, you know, there's a, there's an extra value for edge rushers in the NFL, Maybe that's a restructure situation. He's only got one year left on his deal, so they'd have to extend his deal. He had a good year, not a great year. And so I think that would be a a very interesting decision for the Jets. Dwayne Brown is another guy who probably will be released at a million dollars. So when you add it all up, they can come up with, you know, 30 to 40, even 50 million dollars in cap room by just doing what we just talked about.
1: Wow. Sounds like the flight deck's going to be busy, Rich. (laughs) Flight deck might
0: be, uh, yeah, might be taking off. uh, We've done a little hiatus lately, kind of laying low since the season's been over. But, you know, this is going to be starting. I think, you know, the Combine is traditionally a a time when, you know, all this stuff starts uh, percolating, and that's at the end of the month. So uh, keep an eye on the end of the month when uh, the deals are made in Indianapolis at the Combine usually.
1: No question about it, and Rich will be all over it for the Jets. Rich, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk soon.
0: You bet, Larry. Thanks. Take care.
1: All right, you too. Rich Cimini, that's the latest on what's going on with the Jets. So he broke down a lot of information. And I know a number of you agree that they don't. you don't expect Zach Wilson to be on this team. It's interesting. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your phone calls in a minute, but first, come out to see the Michael K Show live. Friday, February 10th at 3 p.m. from 317 Main Street. That's in Farmingdale for a special countdown to kickoff broadcast to get you ready for the big game. It's just steps away from the Farmingdale station on the LIRR. We're bringing the big game experience to you at 317 Main Street. Brought to you by Jack Daniels, Resorts World Bimini, Grand Monnier, P.C. Richard & Son, Slomans, and Ben Kosher Deli. Hardest 2 Midnight continues on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Phones, uh, let's start out with Jonathan in Brooklyn. Jonathan, you are next on ESPN. Hey, how are you? All right, Jonathan, what's going on?
0: Thank God, Baruch Hashem, very good.
1: I just wanted to talk about Kyrie
0: to the Mavericks for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people give the Nets a lot of flack about what they do with Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So, first of all, I'll say 98% of teams, 99, every team, nearly every team in the league would take those three as a gamble, even with all their personalities. And fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. All right, Jonathan, thanks a
1: lot. 1-800-919-3776. Steve in Jersey. Steve, you're next on 98.7. Steve? Bye, Steve. Richardson, Manhattan. Hey, Richard.
2: Hey, Larry, before I go talk basketball, you know, I was looking at the top four sack artists in the NFL out of the top 16. Four out of the top 16 sack artists are on the Philadelphia Eagles. Like
1: 70, I mean, the
2: linebacker is here. number tw- yeah, the number three, and then mm-hmm. the three defensive linemen are tied uh, And they're up there. So you're, and every other team, there's ten other teams with one each, and they've got four. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's never happened in the NFL, not that I recall. I mean, maybe you got to go back to the Justin Tuck, uh, uh, Michael Strahan days. But, jeez, so how do you bet against the Philly this year? I mean, I understand uh, Mahomes is magical. He's the closest to Montana that we've seen. But uh, four defensive linemen like that, they're going to put on some pass rush. And, you know, with Mahomes hobbling a little bit, he's got to be hobbling a little bit. I I don't I don't see it. I don't see how you get a bet against Philadelphia. You know, Larry. Also, one other, one other thing. I was thinking about Kansas City and the Philadelphia uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Larry, of course, we're too young to remember this, but when the Philadelphia Athletics, you know, they were owned by Connie Mack in baseball, when they moved from Philadelphia and after the 1954 season. Do you know where they moved? No. To Kansas City. Wow! (laughs) All right, so you'd have to be 85, 90 years old to remember that connection, or 80 years old at least. Mm -hmm. But there's a connection between Philadelphia and Kansas City. Uh, As far as the uh, Knicks go, uh, I'm happy that uh, Thibodeau finally got off the hook because these last three games (laughs) that the Knicks played – were not Thibodeau's finest. They won yeah. one and lost two, right? I mean, those last play game, last second play plays at the end of the game showed that Thibodeau was not making the right decisions of who he got the ball to or how they played the uh, three-point play at the end of the game. Those were not good decisions. I blame Thibodeau for losing two of those last three games, but he, we made up today. It was a good, solid win. Uh, I'm hoping the Nets did okay with their trade, Under the circumstance, I mean, I'm going to miss the guy. And I'll never forget that game last Saturday night, Nick, Net game. Boy, did that bring me a lot of entertainment. He was so Mm -hmm. great to watch, so fun. Larry, one last thing. Mm -hmm. In your recollection, have you ever seen two ball-dominant guys match together like this? Do you remember anything like this? I mean, for long term. Yeah. Have you ever seen Doncic and Kyrie like this, that kind of situation?
1: Not that I can think of, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, but the one thing I will say is that Kyrie has at least shown you that he will give up the ball. I mean, he did that when Harden was with, with Brooklyn. And he said, listen, Harden's going to be the, the, the point guard. I'm just going to go around and shoot when I'm looking, you know, doing what I need to do. So he has he has shown that he can take a back seat. Clearly, he took kind of a backseat in Cleveland when LeBron was there and they won the championship. So, uh, you know, he he's, he's more – here's the bottom line, Richard. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to get that contract. He's going to be in his best behavior. He's going to do whatever the team needs. He's going to be that guy because he wants to get paid. And he wants to prove that he can be a guy that can play without distractions. And to be fair to him, After the whole early season distractions they had, over the past couple of months, he has played. He was playing unbelievable basketball for Brooklyn and was their guy in the fourth quarter. Was their guy in the fourth quarter. So if he plays like that in Dallas, they'll be okay. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Mike White is yes, he's better than Zach Wilson. Yes, he performed better than Zach Wilson, but much like Zach Wilson, he wasn't available when they needed him. So that, that you know that's an issue, and I don't know where Zach Wilson, where uh, Mike White's going to be next year. I, he's not going to be on the Jets. You can't have him and Zach Wilson. If Mike White is on the Jets, then that means Zach Wilson is not on the Jets. I'm just saying that. That's what it means. He's not there. You can't have you can't go through that again. With the whole idea of the the team has already told you how they felt about Zach Wilson and Mike White. Okay, and so uh, you know Mike White. This wasn't his first team. He hasn't exactly been lighting it up. This is not not a knock against him. But nevertheless, he you know he's not. He I don't know that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL now either. Once again, because of his lack of availability, you you got to be available to be a starter in this league. You do. You say, well, Larry, maybe better offensive line. Maybe uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know what? You look at the successful quarterbacks today. Now, if Mike White had some more mobility and was able to move around the pocket a little bit more and do some things a little bit more, then I think that would better his chances of being a starter long-term in the league. I do. He ha- he definitely has traits. You can see how he throws the ball. He leads receivers well. There's a lot of good things that he does. But when you're trying to pay a starting quarterback in this league, what, 20, 30, 40? Fifty million. <laughs> He's got to be available. Got to be available. Um, the other point, Jose, you don't have to worry about that. The Knicks, the Nets, are not sending Kevin Durant anywhere. They're not trading him to the Knicks. If Durant wanted to play for the Knicks, he'd have come here. He'd have come here. Or originally, he doesn't want to play here. Don't want to play here. He's happy in in Brooklyn. Okay, and so now. He's going to have to adjust. He's got a new club that they're working on to try to build around him. And we'll see how that works in Brooklyn. But, uh, listen, I'm sure he's disappointed. How could you not be? I mean, you signed to come with a guy that both of you agree you, your games complement each other. And you could go somewhere and win. I mean, can you imagine how disappointed he is that it hasn't worked out yet? I mean, he may win a title with different people, but I mean, you know, he could have stayed in, if he had stayed in Golden State, he probably would have had another ring. But he went to leave, come with Kyrie, and it just didn't work out. Injuries, bad luck. I mean, you know, foot foot on the line against Philly. That could have won them Gotten you know further into the postseason, that unfortunately didn't happen. But now you turn it around, and listen, the Kyrie era is over. And now you have to figure out what are you going to do? How can you put a team together that you're building around KD? And you've got some nice young players. They listen, Cam Thomas put on a performance. He's a very talented young man. Claxton is a very talented young man. He has really improved. You see what he's been able – he's been dominant. Okay, he's one of the reasons why the Nets' defensive rating is up. He's a shot blocker. He's powerful. He cleans the glass, scoring a little bit in the paint. He's really good. He's really a good player. So you've got some pieces. You know, you got Seth Curry, who can hit the three. Okay, Joe Harris is starting to come back. You're starting to see him get more consistent with his threes. I mean, listen, the Nets have pieces. Now, Dinwiddie is a really good player. No, he's not Kyrie Irving, but he's a good player. He's a guy who you know. He's a guy who can shoot the basketball. He looks for other players. He's a good player. I'm curious to see what the Nets are going to do to try to add some beef up front because I still think they're a little light up front, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they have. And they won't have a lot of time to, uh, you know, get these guys working together. It's going to be a quick thing. You know what? The all-star break helps them because they get a chance, you know, Zog Vaughn gets a chance to figure out what they want to do and get some folks together. And then when the guys come back, they'll get right to work. Ernie's in the Bronx. Ernie, you're next on 98.7.
0: Hi, Larry. How are you, sir? How are you? you? Oh, Larry. I'm just so tired of this whole quarterback thing. You know, Mike White is a backup. Yes, he can be in the league. There is a place for backups in the world. Okay? But, you know, come on. Let's be realistic. Just go get Rodgers. You're never gonna, you know, just do it and have the guy as your backup, and then that's it, and go with it. There's no other – it's been cool. I've, I've been a Jets fan for 40 years. I can't wait any longer. I don't want to. Larry, <laughs> I <don't>.
1: go. <laughs> I hope to you're saying, Ernie. Thanks for the phone call. And, and listen, it's clear that Aaron Rodgers is the Jets' priority. They want him. They want him, and they will do what they can to bring him in. There's no question. They know they need a veteran quarterback. They know. Believe me, they watched. (laughs) They know what the deal is. And once again, that's not the only move they have to make. They're not just a quarterback away. Now, they have some other – obviously, quarterback is one of the most important pieces, okay? But they have some other things they got to do as well. Okay, they still need – I mean – they still need a more consistent pass rush. They got to be able to get off the field on third down. Okay, they did some nice things this year. There's no question. Did, did the defense improve? Absolutely. Absolutely it did. But they got it, they, they have to take another step. They've got to take another step. one 800 919 more of your calls next on 987 ESPN. This
0: is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.